0: I told you on December 30th, if you were here, that was the New Year's Sermon, and I told you that you would attempt to begin your New Year's resolutions on January 7th, because you can't start anything in the middle of the week, and New Year's Day was in the middle of the week, and that's kind of dumb, and you can't do that, and so you were going to attempt to start those this past Monday. And then you forgot, right? And you, by that point, you had you had done so little between January first and January seventh that you just threw it all out the window and you gave up because you know that those New Year's resolutions, are, there, there, there's there's something you've got to go through in order to see those things bring what you want to bring. Take for example. Some of you set a New Year's resolution to get in better shape, whatever better might be, right? But you're saying round is a shape, so that's okay, not a big deal, right? That's what I do. You ever seen that? Yeah. So anyway, so some of you though you've said, all right, you know what? This is the year, beginning January seventh. That's when it's going to start. Do you know what what the truth is though about getting in shape? It's hard. It's hard. Do you know they don't make pills for that stuff? Not anything that's good for you. I mean, you, you know, you, you can look online, you'll find some sort of magic pill that's going to get you in the best shape of your life, and then it kills you in the process. That's what it does. You know, you're, you know. it's hard, right? It's very difficult. It is not easy to get yourself in the kind of shape that you know that you want to be in, whatever that may be it 's difficult, some of you said all right we 're going to get out of debt this year. We are going to pay off our debts and and we 're we're, we're not going into debt anymore and and that 's hard isn 't it do you know do you know the secret to not being in debt? you ever seen the Saturday night Live sketch? you ever seen that one? Do not spend more than you make. <coughs> Well, go YouTube that at some point, the Saturday Night Live debt sketch, it and, and it's, it, they're, what? Just blows them away. But it's hard, isn't it? Man, there's stuff that you want, things you've got to have, emergencies that come up, all that stuff. Raising kids is another thing that is difficult, and you set some resolution if you've got children, grandchildren, or you've got influence over kids in some way, all right, here's what we're doing now. This is the new way we're going. And then the kids didn't just miraculously change because you set a New Year's resolution, did they? That's hard. You've got to stick with it, right? January 7th at about noon came. He said, I'm done with that. Forget that. It's too hard, man. They ain't listening to me. It's hard. Any kind of athletic success is hard. We've got some we've got some young athletes here in our church. We've got some young folks who are participating in things at school, whether it be athletics or academics or anything at all. And you say, you know what, all right, now I'm really, I'm really gonna starting now. And it's hard, isn't it? You know the old adage is true. What? No pain, what? No gain. That's the truth, isn't it? That, that's what this series is going to be about. We're starting a new one today. We're going to get a little bit into it last week and other things that we were talking about. And, and, and so we just kind of, kind of punted and went, and here we are. Today, we're going to be starting this, this new series because just as in life, when it comes to getting in shape or getting out of debt or or academic or, or athletic performance and success, whatever, those things require you to go through something difficult to get to what you want. Nothing good in life happens easily. Nothing. Nothing good happens easily. Growth in any area, and as we'll see as we focus on this series, spiritual growth True spiritual growth—it's possible, but it will happen through pain. That's the way that it is. Paul would describe it as death. That's how it happens. You realize that spiritual growth, spiritual life, happens through death—us dying. That's that, and and that's not an easy thing to go through. Ministry to your friends, to your family—a life of great impact for the kingdom of God. All that is possible. But it's not easy. And it won't be an easy path to walk. And that's what this series is about. I, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Give you a little bit of background on why in the world we're in 2 Corinthians. The, the, the easy answer to that question is I have no idea. I, 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 don't, I couldn't tell you. I have no clue. When I, when I was trying to plan for this for 2019 and plan out the sermon series, and normally I try to plan a year at a time. I sit down in October, November, the previous year, and I try to look at what have we what have we talked about, what books have I preached, what 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 topics have we covered, whatever, and and I, I, I was going through this trying to pray through, and I was just drawing blanks. I had nothing, except I had everything. You ever been there? I had all kinds of stuff, and I thought, oh my goodness, I can't. You know, there's only 52 Sundays. I can't preach 400 sermons in 52 Sundays, and yet there's so much that we need to cover, so many different things that that we need to hear about and whatever. And I and I just thought all right, you know, I, I don't know. God, what, what do you want me to, to preach on? And and we were doing the, the Bible reading plan. Many of you uh, completed that or, or in the process, maybe you got a few days behind and you're getting there. and We got to 2 Corinthians, and boy, I read it, and, and I, I, I don't know why, um, but I kept coming back to it. And I discovered the reason why was that God was leading me back to that. There was something about this particular book that I, I thought, all right, God, if that's where you keep drawing me back to, then that's what I'll start with in 2019. I'll tell you this, it has no agenda from me. I, I just there, There's no particular reason for our church that I'm preaching 2 Corinthians. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's not that, okay, there's this, there's this thing that's coming, the other shoe's going to drop, and bam, he's got you. That's not where I'm coming from with this. If I were doing that, I'd have all these other sermons lined up, just so you know. But I, So I'm preaching 2 Corinthians, as I always do, primarily to myself. And then hopefully, as as we get through this, God will reveal to you, okay, that's why he led us to this particular book at this time. So anyway, I want you to look first in in the the first couple of verses here, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. We're going to get a little bit of background information today, and then I'm going to try to move fairly quickly, all right? So so get ready. Here's the way it starts. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the churches at Corinth... And with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So just stop there. That's the little introduction. That's the salutation. That's the, hello, my name is Paul. It's nice to meet you kind of thing. Except they had already met and he was writing to them. Now for really what was the fourth time, as we'll see. Paul, he says, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's a messenger from God. He's been sent by God to take the message, to take the gospel of the Lord where it had not gone before. That was Paul's mission. He was with Timothy, as he says. I'm, I'm here with Timothy, our brother. And he was sending a letter to a church that he had started a few years before. The way that Paul did things is he would go to a particular town, and he would typically try to, to go to the biggest town in that area, that province, that region, whatever. And he would start a church there. He would go to the synagogue, and he would preach. And he would find maybe some folks who resonated with the message or who were already believers based upon the ministry of other folks, and he would organize them and start a a, an organized church there. And and at that point he would grow up some people and he would leave and and let them lead and pastor the church. His first visit was was during the second part of his second missionary journey. Paul had gone around a little bit and he visited Corinth and and he faced some resistance from the Jews that were there uh, at, at Corinth. Uh, So he leaves there. Okay, so follow me. He goes, visits, starts the church, faces a lot of resistance. He leaves there and, and goes from there to Syria and then to Ephesus. And it's there that he wrote a letter to the Corinthians. Now, that's not 1 Corinthians. It's actually, I guess you could call it 1 Corinthians. And our 1 Corinthians would probably be 2 Corinthians. And then he wrote another letter, which could be called 3 Corinthians. And then our 2 Corinthians would be 4 Corinthians. You get what I'm saying? But anyway, he wrote a first letter to the Corinthians that we don't have. And he sends them some information and so on. And then he gets some visitors who report about the church and things are not going well. So Paul starts the church. He faces some resistance. He leaves there, goes along some other places. He sends a letter to them. They send some visitors and so on to him with a report, and things aren't good. There's a lot of division, a lot of stuff going on. People are not getting along very well. And that's when he writes the letter that we know as 1 Corinthians. And he addresses all these different issues that they're going through. And here's what you're supposed to do with this. And here's how to solve this issue, and so on and so forth. And so he he, he writes 1 Corinthians as we know it. And he sends that with Titus, or with Timothy, actually, with Timothy. And, and he comes back, and then there's bad news again. And so Paul, who had some other plans, immediately changes his plans, and he says, I've got to go to Corinth. I've got to straighten these people out. They, I've got to take care of this right now. And he shows up on the scene, and he is absolutely and, and summarily rejected. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ, the man who met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he is absolutely rejected, nearly thrown out of the city, if that makes sense. He is run off. And they say, who are you? Next time you want to come back to us, you bring letters of recommendation from people we actually trust, because we don't trust you. And he's the guy that started the church the founding pastor of the church. They run him out of town. And he, he leaves, basically with his tail tucked between his legs, and he and he goes and, and leaves again and then writes to them another letter, what what we know and, and, and is referenced in 2 Corinthians as the severe letter, the quote-unquote severe letter, and he just lets them have it. I mean, we, we, we kind of sometimes, you ever put Paul on a pedestal? You ever think Paul is just kind of like Jesus 2.0? He's not exactly perfect, but he's pretty close. Paul blasts them in this severe letter. Now, I'm not saying he got in the flesh, but he might have. And he just lets them have it. And then he waits for a response. And finally, word comes back that the people have received that severe letter and they're broken. And they understand what they did wrong. And so Paul, of course, is overjoyed because... He's not worried just about his own reputation. He's worried that they're not receiving the messengers that God has sent to them. And so it's 2 Corinthians that is written as a result of that brokenness, okay? So that's kind of the idea. Go back and listen to that on the podcast at some point, and it'll catch you all up. But that's the idea of what's going on. He writes 2 Corinthians, and he includes mainly two topics, and we'll get to these in an overview uh, as we go through it. But he he writes to to defend his role as an apostle so that they would receive the words that he's saying about Jesus, and then we'll see in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He writes to, to, to finish up the collection they were all taking for the Jerusalem Christians who were under a lot of persecution anyway second corinthians is a very very personal letter paul's pouring his heart out and and he he's revealing things about himself that they probably didn't realize and know before he's gonna let them know what he's through and how it's affected him and if you've ever tried to lead somebody spiritually then, then then you would understand why paul is so emotional if you've ever poured your life into somebody and, and then things don't go exactly right, you'd understand where Paul is coming from, why, why he's been so down. If you've ever experienced the, the spiritual attack that comes onto to spiritual leaders and people that are trying to help others, then you'll understand why Paul feels the way he does and why the tone is there. I thought about a friend of mine as I was preparing for this particular sermon. I, and, I, and I sent him a message last night. I said, I'm going to be talking about you tomorrow in the sermon. He lives in, in, in Gainesville, Florida. A really tremendous friend of mine. I've known him for a long time now. We met as I was working at my home church, and, and he is a guy uh, who is a great leader, great listener, great counselor. Just a great servant of the lord probably know people like that probably got somebody in your life that you say yeah you know that's that's my person my my friend is is really humble he he doesn't push an agenda when he sends me a text of encouragement he he doesn't shove anything down my throat he just tells me i love you i'm praying for you i'm glad to call you my friend all that kind of stuff He, he just loves the people that are under his care He told me yesterday in a text, he said, I'm a very rich man. And he doesn't mean that financially, because he's had some struggles. But he's been broken by life, he's been humbled by being fired from a church, and he's now hungry to simply know God, to be truly a rich man man. He once served at one of the largest churches in Louisville, Kentucky. and He was the worship pastor, and it was incredible. 2,500 people every single weekend. Just this rocking and rolling kind of, man, exciting place. God doing a lot of great things, and now guess what? He serves at a nowhere church that you'd never hear about on the backside of Gainesville, Florida. That's where he's at. How did he arrive spiritually where he is now by by doing and going through what we often fight which are life's difficulties and he he is an example to me I'm, I'm still learning how to do those kind of things second corinthians i think is paul kind of like my friend and maybe like some of the folks that you know look in verse three paul says this blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and the god of all comfort He comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. Through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so our comfort overflows to Christ. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is experienced in the endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. But our hope is, uh, for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, you will share in the comfort. For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction that took place in the province of Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength, that we even despaired of life. However, we personally had a death sentence within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death, and He will deliver us. We have placed our hope in him that he will deliver us again. And you can join in helping with, uh, with prayer for us so that thanks may be given by many on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. Uh, the theme for today, the, the idea that I want you to hold on to, get, and, and, and we'll work from as we as we get to the end of this, is that we, we would never know God's comfort if we didn't know life's Difficulties. We'd never know God's comfort if we didn't know life's difficulties. You will will never get to where you want to be, and more importantly, where God wants you to be, without going through the difficult things of life. No pain, no gain. It's just the way that it is. That's what Paul knew. You see, in, in this really introduction to his letter... That's what my friend down in Florida knows. That's what I'm learning. What I hope all of us will learn a little bit over the next few weeks. There's something valuable on the other side of the difficulty. But but I'm not talking about just getting in shape or getting out of debt or whatever. I'm talking about the major difficulties and trials that you and I face as Christians in a broken world as believers, spiritual leaders who also play the roles of parents and teachers and teammates and friends and ministers and counselors for the people around us. And in every difficulty that we face, in every one of those things, there's a challenge for us, and we'll see this as we move forward, and that is that, that I can either try to figure it all out on my own, or I can trust Jesus. Those are your two options. You're never going to know God's comfort without life's difficulties. And when you face life's difficulties, you got an option here. You can either try to figure it out or you can trust Jesus. Some of you have been trying to figure it out, haven't you? I know that. I like to think of myself as being pretty smart figure out a lot of things. I can kind of get through that. And yet, you ever hit that wall over and over and over? Maybe God's trying to tell us something paul 's example shows us very clearly which one he chose. And I want to give you just from these from verses three through through eleven I, I want to give you his example. Here's what Paul did. And, 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 maybe as you realize, okay, I, I know that I won't really know God's comfort until I go through life's difficulties and I can either trust myself or I can trust Jesus. But what does that really look like? And maybe you'd choose one or two or all of these that Paul does. The first thing we'll see in verses three and four, Paul's example was that he praised God. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction. Uh, Paul would pray and, uh, and use ancient jewish type prayers but he would mix in jesus all the time because he knew that jesus was the fulfillment of all those things so as he writes to these jewish believers he's saying you know what we have this god of comfort through jesus christ and we can praise him because of that paul had been through a very deep dark depression and yet now he praises god uh, on the other side of it, he is saying to these people, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. That's who he is, who he, what he deserves. He really gives us three things about his praise, the reasons that he has to praise God. You look at it, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of what? Of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Paul's praising God for Jesus. Paul's praising God for the the mercies of God. And he's praising God for God's comfort. The Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. You realize that Paul can praise God because he became personal. God does not sit somewhere on high without understanding what we've been through. Because he became one of us, the Bible tells us over and over and over, and Paul wrote about it, he understands who we are. He praises God also for his mercies as he looks back on the cross and he sees what Jesus did and then the the implications of that as he moves forward. And he praises God, the God of all comfort. It says in verse four, he comforts us in all our affliction. Even that one you're dealing with. I made a little note in the Bible that that I've read from for years and years and years. It's different from the one that I preach from. But right there next to all our affliction, I just put even this. (laughs) Whatever this is. He, He is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our difficulties. Every single one of them. You know what? We're desperate. I really believe this. I think we are desperate. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are desperate to be comforted. And I think, especially as American Christians, and I talk about this a lot, I just admit my cynicism about American Christianity. I just admit it up front. Some of you listen to me preach long enough; you probably get that. Um, I, I think what we what we're irritated about is that our power has been taken from us, and we're longing to be comforted to know that everything's going to be okay. And you know what I can tell you, based on God's word. That everything's going to be okay, but you might not like it. Not now. Everything's going to be okay. Everything actually is okay. We have been crucified with Christ, and we no longer live, but now we live by faith in the Son of God. We are already seated, Paul tells us, in the heavenly places. We have a home in heaven right now, and so we can praise God for what He's already done and what He's going to do, but... We may not like the meantime sometimes. Paul didn't always like the meantime. <laughs> Things weren't good for him. And yet he praised God. And I know this. He didn't praise God just after the fact. Didn't it easy to say, oh God, thank you so much for leading me through that. I wasn't sure how would get out of it. And boy, now it's, now it's all good. I guarantee you, knowing Paul and knowing his life, he praised God. He prayed in the middle of what he was going through. And maybe today you say, you know what? I'm in the middle of something. That is one of life's difficulties and I don't know what to do Danny's been working on a a song that we're going to introduce to you in a few weeks called praise the Lord when you don't know what else to do in the middle of the difficulty you're facing simply praise the Lord praise God for what? for his son for his mercies for his comfort just like Paul did Praise God in the middle of that storm. Secondly, you look at the end of verse 4 through verse 9. Paul only praised God, but he, but he had God's perspective. He says, he comforts us in all our affliction. And look at it, here's the reason. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so our comfort overflows through Christ. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is experienced in the endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the suffering, so you will share in the comfort. For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction that took place in the province of Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. We personally had a death sentence, he says, within ourselves. He had God's perspective on what he went through. He knows what he says in verse 4, that ultimately his suffering turned out to be useful for his ministry. Uh, any, anybody who's trying to be influential or who's invested in somebody else's life, you know this. Uh, any good counselor knows this. Do you know, do you know there's, there's, there's a few folks that you shouldn't trust? And, and one, of the, one of the main people that you should... And, and take this to the bank. You should never trust a skinny cook. You realize that? Never, never trust the skinny cook. Somebody claims to be a good cook, and they're just bone rail thin. No, they're not a good cook. They ain't eating nothing. You trust the cook's got a little bit on them, you know what I mean? That's who you trust. They're sampling some of their stuff. Say, hey, I'm not going to trust the skinny cook. And don't trust a counselor who had not been there and done that. Don't trust somebody who just says, "Oh, I know what you should do." Well, you ever been through that? No, but let me tell you what you do. It's like people when I sit and do premarital counseling. You know, you know who knows the most in that room? They do. That's always funny. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, I'm, no, everything. I think we're going to be just fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, everything's good. Every single couple I've ever taken through it. Oh, yeah, we're not. We're, yeah oh, we've, we've talked about everything. Okay. They know it all, right? You know who the experts on parenting are? People ain't got kids. <laughs> huh? The expert on your situation, person ain't been through it. Isn't that true? Don't trust a skinny cook. Don't trust a counselor, a, a leader who hasn't been through life's difficulties. Paul said, I've been through all this so that I can now give to you what God wants you to receive through me. I've understood it. I get it. I know how it feels. And and, and I can help you, he says. Life's hard. Paul understood it. Imagine the pastor of that church and he just says, y'all, everything's great. What's wrong with you? Everything's fine. Just have more faith. <laughs> you ever heard people say that? You just need more faith. Shut up. That's what I want to tell them. Shut up. Oh, you're so stupid. Ah, So dumb. Have you ever been through it? Well, no, but that part, they just need more of it. Just shut up. It's different when you've been through it, isn't it? Does that mean that, that you don't attack it with faith? That's not my point. But if I've been through something and somebody else is going through it, guess what? I understand that a little better now, don't I? I'm not quite so arrogant. Not quite so quick to jump to the conclusion that I've got your problem solved. Paul's saying, I've been through it and so now I can help you. He he understood how useful pain was for his ministry. (laughs) And if you are a person who's having influence in the lives of others, let me tell you this. You, you may experience some pain that you don't understand, and this may be of zero consolation to you, but I promise you this, God will make it useful for somebody else. And hold on if that's the case. God will make it useful for somebody else. I've seen that in my life. I've seen that in the lives of other people. I've seen that, as I said, in the life of my friend down in Florida. God will use what you're going through to help someone else. You say, okay, all right, that's, that's good, but what I'm going through is pretty tough. Paul knew that. Just because he knew it was going to be useful doesn't mean that it was easy. Look at verse 8. We don't want you to be unaware of our affliction that took place in the province of Asia. Stop there for just a second. If you, When I study this stuff this week, it, that little sentence right there covers a whole bunch of stuff. Paul says, we don't want you to be unaware of, of, of the affliction that we had something bad happened to him that he won't talk about. Luke in in Acts just says kind of in the timeline of this, they stayed in Ephesus a little while longer. That's all he says about it. Something happened. Paul had been rejected by the Corinthians. He had had to send this severe letter and while he's dealing with the rejection of people who should have welcomed his ministry, something else happens to him that we don't quite know exactly what. And it just piled on. you see the effects. He says in verse 8, he says, we were completely overwhelmed. That means burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life. He said we had a death sentence we felt within us. Do you know what that is? It's depression of the worst kind. If if you're a therapist and Paul comes into your office and sits down and says, I was overwhelmed beyond what I can handle. I felt like I was going to die. Emotionally, I could not take another step forward. Guess what? That's not have a little more faith. That's depression right in the middle of it. That's what he's dealing with. He's let me tell you about what we went through. And here's the effect. It crushed us. And we thought we were going to die. You ever felt that way? You ever been there emotionally, psychologically? No, no, I'm too spiritual for that. There's the door. Now you're a liar. I'm telling you, it's real, isn't it? Paul said, I I, I understand how it feels to be overwhelmed. To have more on me than I could carry. To be trying to, you you fellas that that you're, you're, you're... Resolution was to get in shape, get stronger, to feel like what it's like when you get the bar stuck on your chest on the bench press, right? And ain't nobody around. What do I do now? That's how Paul felt. He said, I know what it feels like. Now, this doesn't sound like our modern spiritual leaders, does it? Those people, they got it all together. Man, they've got, it's just slick and polished, and oh, it's just so good. And they've got lots of money, and they never experience a problem, and they're always smiling. Doesn't sound like modern spiritual leaders, does it? And it's not the kind of spiritual leader that the Corinthians wanted either, I'll just tell you that. It's part of the problem. They were being taught, they believed that their spiritual leaders would be so blessed by God that they would never have a single difficulty. It's TV evangelism before TV evangelism. That's the idea. It's health and wealth prosperity gospel. If you just believe, you'll never have a problem. And especially your spiritual leaders, we've got to show that they are blessed by God, which is why you need a private jet. Right? That's where it comes from. And Paul says, look guys, I, I, I know I'm not the leader that you're looking for, but let me just tell you, I've been through it. Paul says, I may not be the example that you're wanting, but I, I'm just the example of what Jesus does in somebody's life who's leading spiritually, crushes them. It's the way it is. In verse 9, he, he knows that ultimately that, that suffering, God's perspective here is that it accomplishes God's ultimate purpose. He says, we personally had a death sentence within ourselves so that we would not, what, trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. That may be the end game, by the way, completely, for your suffering. You say, well, I'm already a believer. Okay. Do you trust God or trust yourself? And I will say this. If you truly are a believer, there will be plenty of opportunities for God to crush you so that you will trust him and not yourself. Paul was the most effective evangelist the world has ever known. And you can imagine how tempting it was for him to trust in his skill and his program and what he could do and his knowledge and his understanding of theology and of of the Bible and all that stuff. And here again is another lesson. Paul, don't trust yourself. Don't trust yourself. Paul, he admitted, you know what, I'm dealing with something I don't know what to do. I don't get it. I don't understand. This is more than I can handle. And God said, Good. Good. So now you'll trust me again, won't you? Yeah, I guess I will. Remember how I told you the challenge? You can either trust yourself or you can trust Jesus. He, he, he praised God. He, he had God's perspective. He understood what God was doing in all of that. And then thirdly, he bet his life on God's promises. Verse 10. He has delivered us from such a terrible death, and He will deliver us. We have placed our hope in Him that He will deliver us again. He, he looks back on the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and He says, He's delivered us from what we deserved. And He will deliver us from this. Whatever this is, He will deliver us. He will see us through. He will not reject those who call upon His name, Paul is saying. He will hear you. He will lead you through where you are. And guess what? One day, someday, He will deliver us again. Whether it's here on this earth or something else we face, or ultimately one day as He gets us into His presence forever to be with him in heaven. He will deliver us. Paul bet his life on that promise. Paul, he ab- bet everything on it. You still hedging? I don't know. Man, I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know. You ever raised somebody from the dead? Nope. Nope. Right. Some of you are pretty special, but I don't think you've done that. That's what Paul is saying. I'm not going to trust myself. Man, I'm good at this, Paul would say. But, but I'm not going to, try, I'm going to trust in God who raises the dead. That's my hope. That he will deliver me because he has and he will and he will again. What is your hope truly? And I mean this. What's your hope for the future? Go to your Facebook feed. Go to your online stuff. Go to the news that you watch. Go whatever it is and you'll find. I guarantee you, you will find a theme. And it will be your hope for the future. Some of us place our hope in government. The one that exists or the one that we hope will be there in the next election cycle. We place our hope in it. Boy, if this would just happen. If these things were possible, if this would... That then everything would be what? Okay. We'd be comforted. Some of us place our hope in a relationship... If I could just have this. Some of us place our hope in money. Whatever it may be, if we're placing our hope in anything but Jesus Christ, it will surely let us down. The question this morning is, are you willing to bet your life on God's promises? Willing to bet your life. Little, little side note, by the way, before we close. Verse 11. You can join in helping with prayer for us so that thanks may be given by many on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many some of you are around people that are going through some very difficult times you don't know what to do you say i've never been through it i i don't i don't know how to help them you're at least you're smart enough to know that but you say i don't i don't know what to do i what just pray for them well that's not yeah it is yeah it is Go to God on their behalf every single day. Schedule time for it, and then every time they pop in your mind, go to God on their behalf. Paul said, You can help us by praying for us. May not understand it all, but you can help us by praying for us. Bottom line in all this is life is tough, isn't it? Uh, and I, I think what Paul's going to show in Second Corinthians is, yeah, life is tough, but Jesus is tougher. And he's really all you need. So don't give up. Praise God. Get his perspective and bet your life on his promises. Whatever it is you're going through, praise God. Get his perspective. God, help me understand. And bet your life on the on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ.